Uh, welcome to the press conference for the Johnson County Emergency Operations Center for uh, Tuesday, May 5th. I'm Kelly Andreessen, Public Information Officer for Johnson County. Thank you to those in the media reporting on this, to our community partners who are participating, and for those who are watching online. We are streaming live on City Channel 4's YouTube page and on the Johnson County Public Health Facebook page. We are practicing social distancing, so we have limited the number of people in the room. And for those purposes, we have a few speakers participating via Zoom. And for those who are in person, I will bring in each speaker one at a time. They'll make their statement, and then we will open it up for questions for that person. For reporters, if you have follow-up questions with an individual, please touch base with us after the press conference, and we'll connect you with them. Uh, we are taking questions from reporters virtually, uh, so thank you for your patience and your flexibility. And we will get started with Dr. Teresa Brennan, Chief Medical Officer, University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics. Good afternoon, Dr. Brennan. Can you hear us? Good afternoon. How are you? Good. Um, thanks for the opportunity. I wanted to take a moment to uh, just update you on numbers. So as of uh, today, we have 28 adult inpatients hospitalized with us. That makes a total of 139 adults uh, who have been hospitalized with COVID-19 to date at UIHC. Um, we do not have any pediatric patients in-house right now. Um, we have had a total of four patients. I think yesterday we reported five. Um, there was a presumptive positive that actually became negative. Um, so the, the correct number is four to date. I'm happy to take questions. Thank you, Dr. Brennan. We have a question from Sarah Watson with The Daily Iowan. Gilead's CEO said yesterday that the company had donated enough remdesivir to the U.S. government to treat hundreds of thousands of COVID-19 patients in the U.S. and hopes to get the antiviral drug to patients and doctors as soon as this week. Could you give us an update on UIHC's clinical trial of remdesivir? Would UIHC be ready to administer remdesivir before broadly, more broadly than on a clinical trial? And do you know if UIHC is receiving remdesivir as part of this program the CEO, Daniel O'Day, was speaking about? Um, thanks, Sarah, for the question. A really good question. So as everyone knows, remdesivir has been approved um, for use in severe uh, patients with COVID-19. Um, we have participated in the trial, um, both for the severe arm as well as the moderate disease arm. Um, we are prepared to deliver remdesivir off um, trial um, according to the FDA guidelines when it's available. Uh, we have not, as of this morning, uh, received any of that um, allocation. So Dr. Brennan, we don't currently have any other questions, but we're gonna give it a little bit of time uh, to support our lag that we have in the video. Y'all are taking it easy on me today. <laughs> Apparently. All right, it looks like we don't have any additional questions. Thank you, Dr. Brennan. Great. Have a great day. Thanks so much. Stay safe. All right. Now we have Margaret Reese, Public Information Officer for Mercy, Iowa City. Hello, Margaret. 
Hi, Kelly, how are you? I'm well, well thank, thank you. you. So, so uh, uh, as, as of 8 a.m. today, we had uh, nine patients who are positive for COVID-19 in the hospital as inpatients, and one was awaiting their test results. This is day 58 of Mercy's COVID-19 response. Uh, we began elective surgeries yesterday uh, with orthopedics, urology, and general surgery procedures being performed, and we plan to have endoscopic procedures uh, start up again this week, uh, a little later this week, and cardiovascular surgeries to begin again next week. Uh, urgent and emergent surgeries never stopped being performed, so we are increasing the number of patients uh, being cared for surgically uh, by going back to uh, elective uh, surgeries, being able to resume those again. Uh, surgeries have also begun again in the ASC or the Ambulatory, Ambulatory Surgery Center that we have at Northgate. Uh, this process is going very well, and we are able now to do in-house testing prior to surgery, and we get results back within an hour. So this is very, very helpful. Um, the in-office visits at our 25 Mercy primary and specialty care clinics are also beginning to increase, and this is not diminishing the volume of telehealth visits. So it's a positive sign that patients are feeling more confident uh, to reach out to their providers for care. Uh, so our volume is increasing in the clinics, which is also very good news. Um, convalescent plasma therapy is a very promising treatment for patients who are critically ill with COVID-19. Uh, we have been able to administer plasma successfully to three patients so far. And we encourage anyone who has recovered from or is recovering from COVID-19 to consider donating plasma. More information is available on the Mercy Iowa City website, which is www.mercyiowacity.org. Uh, you can click on the Learn More button on the COVID-19 banner at the top of the page. Mercy receives its blood and plasma supply from the Mississippi Regional Mississippi Valley Regional Blood Center, and the donation would be made to them. At this time, to be eligible, persons must be symptom-free for 28 days, although this length of time may be reduced, but for now it is 28 days. Uh, and individuals can register or pre-register online or ask their physici physicians to register for them. All of the information is on our website at the address I gave. By donating plasma, an individual can save the lives of others who are critically ill. So this is enormously important and we strongly encourage anyone uh, who has recovered from or is recovering from COVID-19 to consider plasma uh, donation. We also ask everyone who is coming to the hospital or going to a clinic appointment in person to wear a cloth mask. We encourage everyone to continue following precautions by socially distancing wearing a cloth mask when around others, frequent hand washing and sanitizing frequently used surfaces like phones, keyboards, counters, tables, faucets, steering wheels, and more. Um, as I said, we are seeing increased volume in our clinics, both in person and via telehealth, and want to remind everyone that it is safe to seek medical care, but we strongly encourage that the basic precautions continue to be followed. Uh, and also tomorrow is National Nurses Day. And we thank not only our Mercy Iowa City nurses, but all nurses, no matter where they work, whether they're in the hospital, a clinic, a surgery center, 
public health, hospice, long-term care, assisted living, home health, and more. Uh, we thank them for the care they provide, which is more critical now than ever. So happy Nurses Day to all of our nurses in the community and across the state. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret. Uh, we have a few questions from Hillary Ojeda with the Press Citizen. Uh, when did the hospital resume elective surgeries? About how many elective surgeries is the hospital doing on a daily basis? And what kinds of elective surgeries uh, is the hospital doing? Uh, we started yesterday, May 4th. We had nine elective surgeries yesterday and, and one emergency that came in. Uh, but we have uh, tested uh, 40 uh, uh, coming up. So uh, we are ramping up slowly. Uh, this is a, a very complicated um, uh, balancing act to make to make sure that we are safe, that we have adequate PPE, that we have the staffing, that we have the capacity uh, in beds and the appropriate staffing for those beds, that we have the drugs that we need and so forth. Um, but, but we are ramping up uh, uh, cautiously uh, but enthusiastically. And so the number of surgical procedures will probably increase every day. Uh, as I said, we had yesterday orthopedics, urology, and general surgery, but we will be getting the endoscopic procedures and also cardiovascular sur uh, surgeries next week. And of course, all along, we have been performing surgeries here, uh, whether that is a C-section or whether it's an orthopedic procedure or heart or whatever uh, has been necessary uh, when those procedure when they um, have been necessary for emergency reasons. Um, but we started with the electives yesterday. So, uh, so far, so good. It's, it's gone extremely well the last two days. All right, another question from Hillary. Has the hospital resumed other temporarily suspended services? And if so, what kinds of services? Um, I think I probably just answered that with things like endoscopic procedures, those things that require uh, PPE, they require uh, perhaps sedation, that sort of thing. Um, you know, the goal has been uh, for a long while to make sure we had adequate PPE. Uh, and uh, through a lot of hard work, many donations, enormous amount of work on behalf of Johnson County Emergency Management and the state, uh, and uh, just a lot of conservation efforts and so forth, uh, we have been able to get into a somewhat more comfortable position with PPE. So we are much more confident in resuming those procedures and surgeries now uh, that we can balance the needs that we have uh, for surgical uh, procedures as well as for our inpatient um, uh, needs. Thank you. Another question from Hillary. Has the hospital seen a peak in COVID-19 cases? I don't think so. Uh, we had uh, a, a significantly higher volume two weeks ago, uh, and now it's, uh, it, it, it's back at a more steady level. As I said, we had nine uh, inpatients today and one who was awaiting their test results. Um, so I, we don't know what to anticipate in terms of more of a peak uh, than we have seen so far. Uh, we certainly hope that, that Iowa and Johnson County have been successful in flattening the curve uh, uh, to a healthy degree. Um, so I guess that's what I have to say about that. We really haven't seen anything extraordinary, but two weeks ago we did have a, a, a real spike that lasted for a few days. One last question from Hillary. Generally, how is the hospital viewing reopening at this time? 
very positively. Um, we're very grateful to be able to uh, start to get back to our previous uh, workflow and previous volume. That's extremely important uh, for us and for every hospital in the area and certainly across the country. Uh, the, um, it's been very hard not to be able to provide the care that we want to. Uh, so we know we have a tremendous backlog of surgeries of individuals who have been waiting uh, to receive care and services. So we and our medical staff are very glad that we'll be able uh, to uh, help them again at this time. Uh, and we're very grateful to see also that the volumes are increasing uh, in the clinics uh, because that means that people are more confident to reach out. Our telehealth numbers, of course, are very, very stable uh, and strong. And as, as I think everyone remembers, we didn't even have that uh, a month or more, a little more than a month ago uh, to offer to our patients and we do now. So many are reaching out via telehealth, which is a very good thing. And we have tried to make telehealth more accessible to people who don't have the ability on their own. They can drive up to the clinic and someone can help them uh, do this from their car. So that's been very helpful also. But we're just very grateful that people are feeling uh, more um, secure in going to their off to the clinic to see uh, their provider if they need to because those numbers are increasing again too. So all of this is very good news and we view all of it very, very positively. All right, we have a question from Travis Brees with KWWL. Are Mercy doctors continuing to follow up with patients who have recovered from COVID-19 for possible long-term lung complications or increased risk of pneumonia? Um, we, have, we follow up with patients who have been discharged and patients who have tested positive every three days. So either our health coaches or our Mercy on Call coaches contact them by phone every three days until they have uh, reached that point of being uh, 28 days uh, away from uh, symptoms and so forth so that we know that they are doing fine. Uh, so that's a very, very important uh, element of the care that we provide. Thanks, Margaret. Uh, we don't have any more questions right now, but again, we're gonna give it a little bit, uh, a couple seconds to see if we get any more. Okay. All right, thank you, Margaret. All right, All right. thank you, Kelly. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. All right, and now we have Jeff Kalbach, uh, Aging Specialist with Johnson County Social Services. Thank you, Kelly. Um, May is Older Americans Month. It's a good time to remind um, people to check in on their elderly neighbors, family, friends, uh, make sure they're doing well, have necessary food and supplies. Um, some real easy ways, as you can imagine, to stay in touch with people. You can call, text, 
Um, if you have the ability to video chat with um, individuals, that is really awesome, especially with uh, that population that may be more isolated than some of the general public. Um, if you don't have uh, the ability to call them, you don't know their number, it's a neighbor, you can leave a note on their door, um, just letting them know about um, you're there to provide any services or just send them a nice note. Um, social media, Nextdoor, Facebook, many older adults are utilizing this technology. You can keep in touch with people that way as well. And even just seeing people outside and just maintaining an appropriate social distance. Um, during this time as well, um, there's some resources for older adults and um, other at-risk populations. In, there's a new group that's running errands for people, for instance. Um, a lot of changes in service delivery for food and meals. Um, financial assistance potentially for those affected um, with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and even services that still exist like the warm line where individuals who um, you know, not in a mental health emergency, but could use the ability to talk with somebody, um, may just be, you know, awfully depressed or feeling a little bit down. It's a great service that's available as well. Um, questions about any of those and, you know, more information about those services, um, you can just give me a call uh, at the county, 319-688-5842, or they can contact Johnson County Social Services as well, 319 319- Three five six six zero nine zero. Last thing I really wanted to touch on today was just scams. Um, the older adult population is um, often targeted, and you know during times of pandemics or um, current event issues, people like to try and uh, prey upon that population. So, a couple of um, the scams that we're hearing about in the state are about relief payments. Hopefully, most people have received those, but. Um, government agencies do not call you um, to ask information, so do not you know, provide any personal information about yourself um, regarding relief payments. Medicare scams um, is another one. Scammers might call to offer things like a COVID-19 kit or a coronavirus package, um, your Medicare benefits related to the virus but they'll ask you to verify personal information like your bank account, social security, or Medicare numbers. So if you get a call like this, just know it's a scam, end the call. Um, you can also report this to the FTC um, as well. Um, some basic things just to kind of remember um, regarding scams. You know, if you don't know the number, don't answer the phone. If you do answer the phone, you don't have to be courteous. You can just say no, hang up. Um, you get text messages or emails with links in them. If you do not know the sender, do not click on those links. Even if you know the sender, just be aware that um, somebody may have broken into their account or somehow there could be some information that just came in out of the blue that is not from that sender, somebody cloned it. So don't click on those links. Um, just always, for providing personal information, never do that over the phone with people that are calling you, um, that are not trusted people that you know, or if you make sure that you know that this is somebody that you know as well. Sometimes people can impersonate somebody, maybe using a different phone number. If it's an odd phone number, I always just take a second to think about that um, before providing any personal information. Um, at this time, obviously be cautious of anyone at your door, but always just, you know, if somebody's coming up to your door that you do not know, you may be putting your health and financial wellness at risk for anybody that's trying to sell you something. 
Um, don't pay in advance for stimulus money. Um, it does not work that way. You will get your stimulus money. You do not need to make any payments towards it. Um, do not pay about any information about aid programs or investments or the latest miracle cure that's out there for COVID-19. Um, and be cautious of any investments, particularly those with, um, that are related to the threat of COVID-19. Um, don't use gift cards for payments. That is kind of um, a real big red flag as far as it's a scam if they're requesting that you pay in gift cards. They're untraceable, um, which then makes it very difficult and you will not get that money back. Um, if anybody's ever threatening blackmail, stop immediately, alert the police or other officials. Um, and uh, be cautious of investment scams touting guaranteed returns which can be used to pay for rent, food, or other expenses. Last but not least, if you are um, somebody who's um, been scammed, don't be embarrassed to report it. Um, it's really important to be able to report these. Um, you know, it's a responsible step in handling your finances, trying to prevent other people from having a similar fate, and hopefully catching the individuals. Um, there is a great resource out there, iowafraudfighters.gov, um, that can be utilized. Um, it has a lot of great information about recent scams, ways to protect yourselves, and great contact information if you feel like you um, have been scammed or feel like you may be at risk of being scammed. I'll take any questions that anybody might have. Hey, this question is from Hillary at the Press Citizen. What are the biggest needs and concerns aging services is seeing right now? You know, um, I've, I've really been in contact with clients that I've currently been working with over the last several months, and most of the immediate needs were um, revolved around food. Um, and I think knowing that there's some different uh, service delivery with Meals on Wheels, providing frozen meals and breakfast bags, shelf-stable foods, the pantries doing food delivery now have really taken care of most of those immediate needs that we're seeing. Now that we're you know, six weeks into this, it's trying to monitor what things may come up. But at this point, that was the initial um, situation we were seeing. I, I haven't been getting a lot of new calls, so I don't know if people aren't aware that this service exists. And that's what we really want to do is just make people aware that if they have any questions or they're having any um, difficulties right now, that they reach out so that we can make sure that we provide them with a the resource. Okay. This question is from Sarah at the Daily Iowan. How many reports have you received about scams? Is it a significant increase than before the pandemic hit? Um, I'll just say I don't typically get a lot of reports for scams, so I have not seen any come through directly to me. Most of the time, these are going to go directly to the police um, or straight to Iowa fraud fighters. Um, so I don't know that there's an uptick, but I think there's an uptick certainly in the number of um, people trying to scam, particularly with the COVID-19 pandemic. Okay. Um, this question is from Aaron at KCRG. Have you heard from either Iowa City Police Department or the Sheriff's Office about people specifically in Johnson County being scammed? And has that been on the rise here locally? I think once again, no, I haven't heard that there's a, a large increase in either calls, particularly to Johnson County residents or people that have been scammed. So we'll give it just a few seconds to 
see if we receive any more questions. Thank you. All right, next up we have Brad Friedoff, Conservation Program Manager for Johnson County Conservation. Thanks, Kelly, for having us today. I'm here to talk about the impacts of the COVID-19 on our parks, trails, and conservation areas managed by the Johnson County Conservation Board. The Conservation Board and staff understands the disruption and anxiety that this COVID-19 health emergency has created within our communities. As outdoor enthusiasts ourselves, we understand the respite that a park and natural area can provide for our mental health and the recreational and physical exercise they can provide for our body. As COVID-19 spread throughout our community and across the state, it became apparent that parks, trails, and natural areas would play a very important role in the mental health and the physical well-being of our communities. To date, all Johnson County parks, trails, and conservation areas remain open to the public. The playgrounds and campgrounds are the only amenities that have been closed by the order of the governor. To protect the health and well-being of our residents, visitors, volunteers and staff, we encourage park visitors, trail users, and all other outdoor recreation enthusiasts to practice a few simple recommendations to help us all get through this together. First, if you're feeling ill or have felt ill in the past two weeks, please stay home. The parks will be there when you get better. Practice physical distancing. Stay six feet or more away from other park visitors. You don't want to give away your favorite fishing hole or morel mushroom spot anyway. Limit group size to less than 10 people. Take photos, share memories, and encourage people to go back to the places you love when you're not there. Share the trails. There's a lot of hikers, bicyclists, runners, dog walkers, all wanting to get outdoors. The weather is going to turn and be beautiful. Not right now, but in the next few days it'll turn and we'll have great weather again. Please try to practice physical distancing from all those people. Alert them when you may be passing them or going around them. And step to one side of the trail and let them do the same. That physical distancing, remember most of our trails are 8 to 10 feet wide, so there's plenty of room for all of us out there. Schedule your visits to parks and recreation areas during off-peak hours. Early mornings are a great time to catch a sunrise, enjoy a cup of coffee by the lake, or simply listen to the birds and frogs singing out there. Pack your sunscreen, insect repellent, and if you aren't already doing it, add hand sanitizer to that list. Frequent hand washing and sanitation will help us slow the spread and keep our communities healthy. And bring your own water. If you're out there with a group, you want to stay hydrated, but you don't want to share your bottle of water with others that may be in your group. And lastly, pack it in and pack it out. If you're coming to the park, remember a trash bag and take home any trash that you may see that you have created. We will be there to pick up the other trash, but please take home uh, any trash that you create when you're out there. If you want to get outdoors and do some of the things I just talked about, but just don't know where to start, visit the Johnson County Conservation Facebook page. 
Staff have been working hard to create blogs to explain some of our areas and help you explore those areas. We've also been providing posts on a wide variety of outdoor and backyard-based activities for families that encourage outdoor curiosity, inspiration, and awe. There is something out there for everybody on our Facebook page, so check it out today when you have a chance. This community has wisely invested in our natural resources, parks, and trails. So in this time of need, we encourage you all to take advantage of these great opportunities. Staff are working hard to keep our parks clean and ready for your visit. Why we all await the days when we can gather around a campfire to share, to share stories, enjoy, enjoy large family gatherings again, or play in the playgrounds with our uh, kids. Until then, let's get outdoors, practice social distancing, and enjoy the natural resources around us. Please feel free to call our conservation office at 319-645-2315 if you have any questions on the amenities that may or may not be open at that time. And together, we will all get through, through this as a group. So I will open it up for questions now if anybody has any about of our parks or natural areas. This question is from Hillary at the Press Citizen. Are Johnson County Parks seeing a surge in visitors? We are seeing a, a heavy use, um, but we are also witnessing that people are spreading out. Uh, remember, these parks are large um, places, 1,000 acres sometimes. So as long as people are practicing that physical distancing, leaving six uh, feet between other visitors, um, staying with your family group, uh, and we are witnessing that, then we're going to be uh, fine uh, visiting our parks and, and recreation areas. So another question from Hillary. If people are seen not practicing social distancing or have gatherings of more than 10 people in parks, will there be some kind of enforcement? Yeah, so uh, our staff is out there working daily, uh, whether it's doing maintenance in our, our woodland units or prairies or doing uh, regular uh, enforcement actions around the park. Uh, we are, at this time, uh, we're not ticketing or citing anybody, but we are giving in them information about while, why physical distancing is important and uh, talking about the COVID-19 uh, incident and why it, their gathering is not a good thing for uh, this instance. A question from Sarah at the Daily Iowan. Would Johnson County consider closing the parks if people do not follow these guidelines? Um, at this time, you know, we haven't seen any instance of that. Uh, we are act as a, we really find that a lot of our medical people are firsthand caregivers, right? We look at ourselves as preventative medicine. We all need to have that mental break, um, need to have that recreational opportunity, that exercise opportunity. So uh, we would consider it if things get bad enough, but we would base that upon uh, the guidance of uh, public health department, uh, or state leaders. Um, at this time, we have no in indication that we would ever do that. Okay, also from Sarah, how can Johnson County ensure people are social distancing while in parks? Will there be police supervision in popular parks to disperse large groups? Again, as, as we stated before, we are seeing people practicing social distancing. And again, this becomes a, a, the responsibility of our visitors. Um, if you feel like your space is being encroached upon, uh, we ask you the, to politely um, go to a different spot of the park, uh, visit somewhere else. So far, we haven't had any of those problems, and people are being, being very polite and respectful, um, getting out there, utilizing the trail. We're, we're all in this together, as I've stated, and we want to make sure that we can all continue to enjoy these. And at this time, we have seen no indications that anybody is going against those guidelines.
Hey, this question is from Aaron at KCRG. Has Johnson County Conservation heard from anyone regarding concerns from people not social distancing, considering the increase in people wanting to get out? Uh, we have not. Um, at the time uh, and place when we are able to open campgrounds and do those things again, uh, there may be things that we do to encourage uh, social distancing within those facilities. Uh, but right now, it's uh, guidelines. Uh, being here today and asking the residents of Johnson County to take the time to spread out on our trails, utilize those resources at different times, and uh, do things to help us slow this spread, to help our uh, public health partners uh, to get through this. That's what we're all about. And we think parks, trails, and natural areas are very important to people uh, for their physical and mental well-being. And so we're going to do everything we can to communicate with the public that physical distancing um, is very important, and uh, I think they're heeding that advice. Okay, um, follow-up from Aaron. Um, what does enforcement look like if necessary, and at what point is enforcement necessary over education? Um, we haven't got to that point, and I think it's just going to be just like anywhere else. Um, people uh, are, are very wise, and they uh, understand why social distancing is, or excuse me, physical distancing is very important. Um, again, I can't uh, guess what may happen in the future, but we haven't had any of those cases. Uh, when we do have groups that gather, uh, they do it very quickly, and when we approach and, and ask them to uh, disperse, uh, they're more than happy and they understand why. Um, we do have people becoming very creative. It, sometimes it looks like uh, tailgates going on where you'll have one group of people over here and 10 to 15 feet away is another group of people and they're communicating um, and they're, they're enjoying the outdoors together, uh, but they're not socially close together. And so that's what we encourage. If you come in two different carloads, as long as you're not having uh, participating in contact activities, go out there, go for a hike, uh, share those experiences. Again, we encourage you to share memories, share photos, use social media uh, to share your experiences. But if you are out there at the same time, again, it comes back to those simple guidelines we ask. Uh, provide that physical distance, uh, sanitize your hands, uh, follow all the guidelines that all the other uh, agencies that have been up here have talked about, and uh, that's going to help us get through all of this. Hey, we don't have any questions at this time, and we'll just give it a minute. All right, thank you. Get outdoors, but remember, physical distance. Thank you, Brad. And to wrap things up, we have Sam Jarvis, Community Health Manager with Johnson County Public Health. Thanks, Dylan. <clears throat> Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, for numbers uh, for Johnson County, to date, we've reported 505 confirmed cases, uh, with 277 of those resolving. Um, but today, we wanted to take the time to explain the difference between physical distancing uh, and social distancing. As some of you may have been aware or seen, uh, there's been a change in the way we are and others are telling people to be safe. Uh, we want to explain that physical distancing, which is staying at least six feet apart, 
That is what we want people to continue to do uh, while you socially interact. When you physically distance yourself, you're creating a space between you and others uh, when you're at home or running essential errands. But why are we bringing this up now? The emotional toll that social isolation can bring is also dangerous. And it's important that we continue to support one another and to maintain healthy social lives just six feet apart. We'd prefer a call or video chat from home, uh, but if you are around others, you can still say hello. You can carry on a conversation from six feet apart. And even though we're asking people to not shake hands, you can still wave. Now, having said that, with physical distancing and other safety measures in place, Mother's Day may look quite different for some of us. That doesn't mean we should be any less grateful or appreciative or show any less appreciation, but we're advising everyone to take every precaution necessary to keep our loved ones safe. We are still advising everyone to stay home if they're ill and to avoid physically visiting others if they're ill and avoiding non-essential travel. But if you do visit, please remember to take all other precautions that you can to help keep yourself and others safe. Cover your cough and sneezes, wash your hands frequently, and if you cannot maintain physical distance, please wear a face covering or mask. Thank you. And with that, I'll take any questions. Okay, this question is from Sarah at the Daily Iowan. How is the county ensuring that people are continuing to social distance and limit gatherings, especially as the weather outside continues to warm up? That's a great concern. Uh, we continue to work with our partners. Like today, we had several of our other county agencies uh, take part in this. Uh, we continue to coordinate with our partners uh, to get out messaging to their uh, populations that they work with, uh, to their um, stakeholders, uh, to continue that messaging. We know that's going to be more and more difficult as it gets warmer. Um, so we thank everyone for being patient. We thank everyone for continuing to do all of this hard work. It's hard for us, too. Um, so please uh, continue to do so, and, and, and thank you for, for doing your best. Okay, there are no questions at this time. We'll just give it a minute. Okay, this question is from Hillary, the press citizen. Can you talk about the county's contact tracing program? For example, how many specialists are now working on cases in the county? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, initially and early on, we began to rapidly expand what our disease investigation team was. Uh, originally, Johnson County Public Health has two disease prevention specialists. We moved to four uh, with other support staff helping with that effort. Um, as we continue to look at what our future may hold, uh, we are looking at what our contact tracing program will look like and uh, being able to expand that. So um, certainly more, more to come on that. Um, but right now we are uh, roughly at seven staff uh, supporting that role right now. So, Okay, another question from Hillary. Just over a week ago on April 26th, there were 437 positive cases in the county. As of May 4th, the state's health department reported there were 518 in the county. Can the department talk about how cases continue spreading locally? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, throughout this time, and I'm kind of uh, thinking back at the time frame that you just reported, uh, we've seen a continued steady amount of cases that come in, uh, anywhere between 6 to 10 a day. 
And so uh, we're still seeing it in our community. Uh, we're still seeing that come in a, a steady rate. Um, so by no means are, are we seeing a, a downturn at all, um, but uh, certainly not uh, any dramatic increases. Um. Okay, question from Travis at KWWL. Uh, Iowa Department of Public Health is reporting 518 cases in Johnson County as of 10 a.m. yesterday morning. How is this possible, and how do you interact with them on case counts? Uh, so a lot of the, the numbers that are being reported are coming through their disease surveillance system. And so um, what you might be seeing right there on their site is uh, potentially a lag um, from when they're reporting. They've got a specific cutoff time that they're reporting. Um, we're getting cases in throughout the day uh, and even into the evening, so our numbers may differ. So. Okay, and we'll just give it a minute to see if there are any other questions that come through. All right, thank you. Thank you, Sam. Uh, that concludes our press conference. Uh, once again, thank you to everyone who participated, our community partners, our members of the media, and for those who are watching live. Uh, we will see you again soon virtually. <laughs>